tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. And uh, welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today. Still getting a huge reaction to my chat with uh, Amanda earlier on this morning about her son, uh, Jack. And thank you for that. And we'll try and get back to some of that response uh, in just a little while. Also, a lot of response to uh, Pader Tobin of Antu, uh, who spoke to me just before 10. And again, it's something we will uh, get back to uh, very soon. But one, uh, because uh, my friend Joe Noble was on and she said, uh, what I don't understand about a COVID death, uh, back then, to the best of my knowledge, when a person died having COVID, uh, they went into a coffin in whatever they had on at the time. I feel so sorry for the families as now they don't know uh, what happened. And I know about this because I lost a family member that caught COVID and he had other health issues and got COVID in hospital and died. He had a proper funeral, as it seems now, that once a person is dead, they can't pass it to you as not breathing, coughing, sneezing. And it does make me think, and yeah, you're bringing me back to that time as well when there was... There were body bags and all sorts of stuff because we didn't understand, I suppose, Joe. Uh, thank you for that. 83 311 Now, we have that prize for you. It's a €100 Euro voucher for Aramont Furniture in Nina. They're celebrating their brand uh, new range of garden furniture and we're giving away that voucher based on your interaction with us by text and WhatsApp. You might be joining in our conversations or indeed bringing up something brand new but if you put Aramont at the end of your contribution we will pop you in to the draw. Now my next guest is an incredible young lady. Charlotte is 17 years old. She's from Carrick and and she set up the Hope Project two years ago when she was just 15. And the hope part of the group is an abbreviation of Hold On Pain Ends. And I'm glad to say that Charlotte is with me in studio this morning. Good morning to you, Charlotte. Good morning. And it's lovely to see you today. And thanks for coming into studio uh, with me. Will you tell me about your own mental health issues, first of all? Because it all began uh, at a very early age, didn't it? it? It did. I did struggle with anxiety when I was like very small due to a teacher passing in primary school. But it kind of manifested into something much worse when I got into secondary school I felt very alone in how I in everything I did and I suffered with suicidal thoughts and depression and very serious anxiety that kept me out of school for months and then in TY I actually dropped out of school because of how bad it got um and that was kind of the reason I decided to start the whole project because I was in and out of hospital nonstop. I was constantly having guards or paramedics at my door because I was just struggling so much. So I wanted someone, I wanted people to have somewhere to go where they wouldn't be alone and they would have somewhere to, like, someone to talk to. And that's where the idea of the whole project came from. Tell me about some of that struggle that you went through. I mean, as a young girl um, doing that, you said your family have been so supportive to you. Without that, it would have been incredibly difficult altogether, I guess. Oh, yeah, definitely. My parents and my brothers really struggled with me because there's a whole family problem. Even though I was the main person struggling, they felt lost in a way. And the services that were supposed to help didn't or I was on waiting lists, or there was just no one there outside of my family to support me. So it was very difficult, and I don't know how I would have handled it without them. 
Tell me about some of the services and your experience of them. I mean, what, what about that? Because you were in great distress. You were very unwell and so you needed help. Tell me about some of those services. I was in CAMS when I was 15 from January uh, 2020, I think, to February, or not February, to March, the end of March. It was only there for three months. And in that time, it was the most judgmental service I could ever have attended. Um, I was spoken down to a lot of the time. I wasn't listened to. They never believed anything I said. And um, it was just very hard to be at that age and then to be not listened to when I was obviously struggling so much. And I just wanted help. I begged for help. But I was just judged or told that my issues weren't serious and that basically unless I was had a very serious attempt in my life that probably ended me up in ICU, there was no chance I was going to get help. But did you tell them that you had suicidal thoughts? I did. They didn't believe me. They um, basically said unless I was going to seriously act on them, they didn't believe me. So, and then in March, at the end of March 2020, I was discharged um, by CAMS because I ended up in hospital after a serious attempt and they said there's nothing we can do. So I was in hospital, in Clamell Hospital for a week and CAMS overrun that sometimes. So um, I was in a paediatric ward for a week. I wasn't allowed any technology. I had to be in the room 24 hours a day. I was watched 24-7. So you were on suicide watch, basically. Basically, yeah, but it was very hard because I had nothing. I was Basically, it was like a prison. I was being kind of held there and like because I was struggling. So I was being talked down to and everything. And it's like I did something wrong. I felt like I did something wrong, but really I was just struggling and I went there for help. Uh, Is it fair to say that it made your situation worse? Oh, definitely. Being discharged after being told there's nothing we can do made it so much worse. Did you begin to question yourself then? Yeah. did, Did it make you question what was going on in your own head? Definitely. It made me kind of question everything. Because if the service that was meant to be there for me and for the adolescents, because there was a few of us in that room and they weren't there for any of us. And before going to CAMS, I mean, did you see it as the light at the end of the tunnel in that these people are going to help me now? I did because everyone said they would. I was told by my school that they were going to be the best people to help me because they were the only service for my mental health needs because the other services weren't equipped enough to help me and because of my age they're the best service for me so I had all this expectation and when I walked in there I just it was the worst thing. And Charlotte all of this unfortunate publicity about CAMS now particularly I suppose in Kerry but there's all sorts of reviews going on around the country as well um, does it surprise you then after your experience? Not at all. Not at all. I I know my experience and my experience was terrible and then I heard other people's as well so I thought maybe it would just be a one-off before even any of the reviews came out. But after hearing hundreds of people around Ireland about their experiences and reading it um, on Facebook and then getting messages, it's a national thing. It doesn't shock me at all because that's the way that was. It's not run properly. It's understaffed and they don't have the right people in it. You had multiple referrals. I mean, you were referred from GPs, you were referred from from teachers, I believe, as yeah. well. And obviously your family were very anxious for you to get help too. What else was there for you besides CAMS? Nothing really because of how severe I was. There is either I stay in Tipperary University Hospital until I got better 
and probably on a pediatric ward or I just suck it up and go to camps because there's waiting lists for so many other services and then the other services if I actually got into them they would refer me back to camps because they are not equipped to deal with it so it was a very it was a vicious circle of I went to one service and they referred me back or I would end up in hospital I would speak to camps and they would tell me there's nothing wrong with me because they just wanted to get through their day I suppose they just weren't listening and I remember one time I actually begged the psychiatrist to help and I told her that I was struggling and the way that her team treated me was ridiculous and I told her everything and she still just didn't want to help. Now, I, I suppose I have to put in at this point, maybe she did want to help, but maybe she didn't have the facilities to do so within the organisation either. I mean, is that a possibility? I don't know because I was describing every, everything I know now, they should have helped me. I was describing everything that they should have been able to help with. Right. Like with the depression, they could have helped, like either with medication or proper therapy. Were you offered medication? Not by CAMS. My doctor actually had to put me on it because he knew it was serious. So CAMS refused to do anything about it. Right. So do you feel that you're speaking for young people now in particular uh, where services are concerned? Yes, I can't comment on the adult mental health system because of my age and I obviously don't know much about it. But for people under 18, we are honestly the forgotten generation. Um, There's hundreds to thousands of kids struggling on waiting lists and there's suicides every day because they're not getting the help they need. And I've been trying to get people to listen and I've been working with TD Martin Brown to try and get something in place but every time that we come up with an idea it's knocked down because of policies or people just don't want to do it because maybe it's a bit too hard at the time but in the long run it'll actually help the rest of the services. And you have no doubt that young people are dying because of this? Yes, honestly no doubt whatsoever like it's honestly a crisis in Ireland because they're not getting the support and if they do get that support they're either judged or put down or put on medications for months with no monitoring monitoring so it's it's not going as how it should there should be a system in place and the system that's in place at the moment isn't working and it's not going to work unless it changes all these reviews and audits are just people saying oh yeah we're gonna change it but really nobody's actually making that change so that's what I'm trying to get across and I'm trying to tell people what it is actually like so they know even if it's in the most brutal way whatsoever I want people to know what it's actually like instead of telling them oh these kids are statistics each number that has come up on that audit is a child with a family and that family is struggling and they're just put to the side and because there's not services there and there's little help I mean just explain to me the trauma on a family Uh, like were you aware and did it play a part I suppose as well in in your own uh, issues that that you knew that you were sort of causing trauma to, to those around you and difficulties to those around you too because they were struggling to find help for you At the time, I didn't know as much as I do now because I was very much struggling. I was in my own head most of the time, so I didn't really take notice. I didn't, I didn't. It was very hard to kind of take in anything else when I was seriously just struggling with my mental health. There was, I felt as though there was no way out for me. So anything that was told to me that it wasn't going to get any worse than it was. So they could tell me that they were struggling, but really I was struggling so much myself that I didn't actually recognise it. Right. And I didn't register it. But now 
it was thinking about it it was horrible for all of us right. but you were trying to survive yourself yeah it was honestly a thing of survival for all of us um i always had to have someone home with me because i was unsafe or the i was the guards in Carrigan-Shore were brilliant so if i ever needed them they were there so but there was always someone having to be with me which wasn't the right way to be right. why would you have needed the guardy they I, they were called on me one of the times and um, the first time and they were lovely and after that they said that if there's anything right. because they knew how bad the services were if there's anything I need they would, I would call them but I wouldn't actually call them they would get called on me sometimes so they would come to the house and they would speak to me they would do a better job than camps ever did and along with the ambulance service the nicest people you would ever meet right. are in the emergency services and they treated me like a person who was just struggling, not actually like a disorder, which a lot of people looked at me as. So they saw you as a condition as opposed to a person is what, you, what yeah, you're Cam saying. Yeah, Cam's did and with, other with people other did. People. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and in terms of the Gardaí, calling the Gardaí, you, you would have just got the Gardaí because there wasn't somebody more qualified available, is that is yeah. it? They are supposed That's to incredible. have a liaison psychiatrist, but there is none there and there's none within Ireland I don't believe and um, it's they're the only service there at the moment for people so their calls now are mostly mental health and welfare checks so they're not able to do their job because there's the crisis lines are referring people to the ambulance service or the guardy, and then every single time someone mentions the word suicide the guards or ambulance service are called. So they're getting called away from serious life-threatening emergencies when there could be a service in place for people who are struggling. Right. And was it because you were in a suicidal frame of mind, Charlotte, that you called the guardy or that somebody else called the guardy? Yeah. Was that it? Okay. And they were brilliant. I've, And especially the paramedics. That's the reason I want to be a paramedic is one actually gave me a hug and she helped me so much after that. She just, gave you a hug? She gave me a hug. And what did that mean to you at the time? I don't know. It was just, I was sitting in the back of the ambulance and she was just talking to me and I just started to cry. And she didn't say anything. She just gave me a hug and it just made me feel like someone actually cared. I knew people cared, but it honestly felt so much better for someone to listen and feel like they really understood. So I wanted to do that for people. That was my... Reasoning. How was it important? How important was it for you to know that there were other young people out there struggling in the same way and getting little or no help as well? It was horrible for me to find it out at the start of the whole project. I kind of struggled to kind of figure it out, and it did stress me out a lot because I felt like I had the responsibility then to fight for them because nobody else was and nobody else around my age was. So I wanted to help them all, but you can't help everyone, especially if there's thousands on the website and it's worldwide as well. So it's very hard to kind of detach myself from their struggles to... Yes, because if you're trying to deal with your own mental health and you're hearing from people all over the world, as it is with Hope, uh, that they might be suicidal or they're in great distress or what, whatever, Charlotte, that must be incredible responsibility you're taking on yourself. It can be, but it's... But there's nobody else to do it. No, and it? it's rewarding as well. Is it? It is. It can be very rewarding because you, you get the sad messages and then you get the ones saying, you helped me so much. And then I actually feel like someone cares which really just makes me feel like someone, like right. I'm doing this for a reason. And I get a lot of messages saying um, that they never believed like they could get through it until they heard about the whole project and then they started to fight for themselves. 
And I'll bet you wish you had hope available to you. Definitely. I mm. wish it was there for me because I would have definitely gotten, got something out of it. Like there's only, I can't really support people as I'm not trained. I'm just there to kind of direct them to a different service, which I hate doing because... But you're there to listen as well. Yeah, which I do a lot and I love doing it and sometimes it can get too much, but the people who are on there are just people who are struggling. The acronym um, HOPE uh, is Hold On, The Pain Ends. It's simple, but it's very, very profound, isn't it? It's very, very... Yeah. Yeah. It stuck with me when I was struggling I was really into quotes and all that when I was younger but that one always stuck with me so that's where the name The Hope Project came from and it was just a project then it was just something I wanted to do but now it's much more than that and it's something that's actually helping people so explain it to me then. It's online, obviously. It's it's like a place where people can share, I suppose, basically. There is. So it's a website online, thehopeproject.e, and it has information and resources on mental health in Ireland and worldwide. And I'm still trying to get to different countries. I just There's a lot of research that has to go into it. And there's a place on there. It's my favourite place on the website, and it's called Your Stories, where people can actually add what they've gone through anonymously. And I read through it, obviously, just to make sure it's all okay and put it up so other people can read it to know they aren't alone. And some of the stories there, they're shocking. But at the end of them, some of them actually got through it, which is lovely to see. And they keep saying to people on these stories that it does actually get better. And I remember someone messaging me after seeing the whole project and um, she said she read the stories and someone's story was very similar to hers. And it actually made her feel like she could get through it. So that was the whole purpose of it. And I'm just thinking, did anybody in CAMS or did any other service tell you, hold on, the pain ends? Did anybody tell you that? The Gardaí did and the ambulance service. As I said, they're better than right. any... But no official service providers for mental health? No. I did go to Jigsaw, and honestly, they are a great service, but that's for mild to moderate severe right. mental illnesses. And they wanted to help me, but they just couldn't. They weren't equipped, so they had to refer me back. But I think that service for mild to moderate severe case, or mild to moderate cases is quite good, but for me, it just... It didn't help. It wouldn't. Wasn't going to help me. So I was kind of. My parents told me that the pain would end, and people who went through it told me it would end. But at the time, I didn't believe it because they were just telling me it would end. They weren't actually giving a reason as to how I would go about making it stop. Right. So or, it was just words to it you. It was just words it? Yeah. to me. Yeah. And then um, I started to be open about it online because. I was thinking that if someone was as open as I was, I might have thought, okay, it will get better. So that's where hold on pain ends really means something in the Hope Project. When you opened up, Charlotte, um, did you get any negative response? Oh, definitely. I got loads, especially from peers in school. Um, It was hard at the time because I was still very much struggling. And it was mostly, it started on Instagram and it went to a website. And, um, I had people kind of picking on me because of something I'm doing online, trying to help people. And at the time, I re- I did want to quit doing it. And it was getting a bit of following and people just didn't like that. And the people who t- trolled you, I think is the expression, isn't it? Or, or who were negative towards you. Did you know them? 
I did. And then there was other people online. Obviously, you're going to get people online. I knew that. Um, so, but it didn't really bother me online. But in school, it did kind of get a bit to me because they were in front of me saying it. So I'm happy I got through that and I didn't actually listen to them because I wouldn't be here without the whole project. And the kindest take on that is it that they just don't understand. Charlotte. I don't think they it? do. Yeah. I didn't think it was a mean, like, I don't think they meant it in the way they were saying it. Is it just they saw you as different? Yeah, it? I was always different in yeah. everything I did. I was musical growing up. I was singing everywhere. So, and people didn't like that. So obviously sometimes people don't like what you do. And um, so I was always different. So pe- obviously in school, everyone wants to be the same. Yeah. I didn't like it. So the difference in me and them, they, I don't think they liked either. Yeah. I'm almost conscious of who's listening to us, Charlotte, and there may be parents listening to us today that might have a young person, maybe with similar thoughts to what you had. By the way, before I do that, how are you now? Oh, I'm great. I'm working. I'm learning how to drive. I've applied to the ambulance service so I've, I'm great I'm so happy right, I got and you want to it. be a paramedic yourself I do I would, oh, I would love right. to do it but when you say you're great are you still on medication? I am yeah. and yeah. I go to counselling every two weeks because obviously I'm not going to fully turn around in a space of a few months I'm going to still struggle a bit so but I'm happy enough now are you? yeah and I'm happy I got through it because now I get to help other people Right. Um, as I was about to say, families out there now, particularly parents listening to us, they might have a young girl, a young boy, uh, going through what you were going through, and they might feel helpless. W- would you give some advice, Charlotte? I, the advice I can give that um, it does actually get better, and I know a lot of people will say that, and they will say the same thing over and over again, and I never believed it. But now, sitting in a radio station talking about how I'm, fe- how I used to feel, and how far I've gotten, it really shows me that it does get better, and that there is support out there. It just might take a while to find it, and if the services do work for you, stick with them, or if something works for you, stick with it. And it's okay to take a break from life and from school for a while to stay at home and just process everything you're feeling, but you will get through it, no matter what you're struggling with. You will get through it. You spoke about uh, Deputy Martin Brown being of help to you again. Now that you have the platform, what do you see to what do you say to other politicians out there? Um, um, you, you're smiling at me. When you say that. <laughs> I have given out to a few people. Okay, okay. Um, good, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I love doing that. I love kind of making my point in a quite yeah. uh, not an aggressive manner, but I like to make my point. So I have been up to Leinster House, and I have made my point up there to Mark Ward, who was brilliant. He's mental health spokesperson for Sinn Féin. And I have spoken to the Taoiseach, uh, our old Taoiseach, Micheál Martin, and he did make a few mistakes in the doll, and I did correct him on it. Okay, So good. he um, said that he will listen properly from, more, from now on. But um, I do say to them that the statistics are people, and they tend to forget that. They just see a number. They're not seeing all the families that are behind it. And then I tell them how I went through, what I went through, and how hard it was for me and my family. And that thousands are struggling the same way or even worse around Ireland. So they can't forget about them. They need to do something. And that's what I keep trying to say to the people in charge or the government. They need to do something now. They can't keep saying there's plans and progress. There's been plans for years. 
but they've never actually moved forward with them. And finally, the review and investigation into CAMS. Does CAMS need to be dismantled and something else rebuilt uh, to to deal with the issues that you've discussed? With I believe so. Mm. Um, they're not fit for purpose. Mm. All around the country, not fit for purpose whatsoever. And when I started talking to Mar- Martin Brown, I wanted to build up something that would be in EDs, that would be for adolescents who were struggling and they had somewhere to go when they're like they're struggling and they have a direct pathway into services so they go to ED then they get counselling they get anything they need without being judged and being in a horrible environment that will make them feel worse so I don't think I'll be getting into Tipperary University Hospital because they're doing a re- build so maybe in a few years but I would like to get into a primary care centre to try and build something that I can show um, the people like the government or whoever is watching or looking down saying that it's not going to work, that it does work and it will help the other services it'll take pressure off. And just finally if people want to get involved with Hope uh, how can they do that online Charlotte? They can go to our website that is thehopeproject.ie and the TikTok and the Instagram is the exact same, thehopeproject.ie all right. I don't want to patronise you, but you're fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. I really think you are. And uh, you're the person to head this up, Charlotte. And we wish you uh, the best. And I'm delighted to see that you're well and you're smiley and all of that, <laughs> which, which is great. Charlotte, thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. We'll take a break. Back in a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery's Garage. 